You're listening to Radio Boston. I'm Walter Wuthman, in for Tiziana Deering. There's a new film out in theaters this weekend, and this one is a little different. In Massachusetts, you can only see it at the Somerville Theater for a week. It's a silent film, a slapstick silent comedy about beavers. It's called Hundreds of Beavers, and it's about a man surviving in the wild with hundreds of beavers. And for a silent film, it can be pretty loud. So why a silent film about beavers? And why screen it in Somerville? We have the filmmakers with us today. Michael Cheslick is the director, writer, and editor. And Ryland Brixen Cole Twos is the lead actor and co-writer. Michael, Ryland, welcome to Radio Boston. Thank you for having us, Walter. Yeah, thanks, Walter. We appreciate it. So let me take a crack at trying to sum up the movie for our listeners who have not seen it. Uh, it's set in the 19th century during kind of a supernaturally harsh winter. A drunken Applejack salesman named Gene Kayak goes from nothing to becoming North America's greatest fur trapper by defeating the titular hundreds of beavers. The movie's in black and white and has no real dialogue. How did I do? That's pretty much it. We, uh, we just wanted to make a story about a man who has to catch hundreds of beavers in the woods in the cold. We didn't have a lot of resources, so we just picked a project that fit what we had, which was snow in northern Wisconsin. Uh, we're all from Milwaukee, and it also had uh, beavers, which you can buy on the Internet. You can buy a beaver mascot costume on the Internet and uh, make no adjustments to it and put it in your film. So that was our goal, to make a slapstick comedy in, uh, since the 20s are back and uh, bring back silent film with the resources we had, which was like basically a bunch of drunks from our hometown. Mm. So these beaver costumes, the movie does have hundreds of beavers, and there are some pretty big set pieces where hundreds of beavers are kind of like crashing down on the main character. But I understand you actually only had six of these costumes. Yeah, so just a little bit of uh, movie magic there. We have Adobe After Effects, and I've been working in After Effects for years uh, as an editor and motion graphics artist for Fox Sports, Wall Street Journal, just normal jobs. And uh, we used that same software to duplicate the beavers in our silent film and to do over 1,500 After Effects shots. Uh, for hundreds of beavers. 1,500 sounds like a lot. Is it a lot? It felt like a lot at the time, but now that it's gone, I don't remember much of it. Um, But yeah, just having that uh, kind of broadcast discipline of uh, getting through a lot of graphics quickly helped. And it still took four years, though. So uh, we have no claim to speed, but the movie is done now. So when you see it, it'll finally be a complete product. So, you know, why do this? What What is the inspiration for this movie? Walter, we're on a mission from God. Ryland and I knew we, it had to be done. It had to be brought back. Silent comedy is a great American tradition. And uh, the, the goal was never the problem. We always knew that uh, physical comedy would be popular and that the age of uh, Judd Apatow improv was ending. So I grew up watching like Looney Tunes, playing Nintendo, watching Star Wars movies. And I felt like I caught all of these references in this movie. How did you take these things and think... Let's pair this with the 19th century American fur trade. Well, the fur trade is just a great classic conflict of man versus beaver. And uh, you want to just pick a simple element like that to, you know, some, a conflict you know works that Elmer Fudd has already proven to work and then try something crazy around that. And for us, it was the combination of uh, the Buster Keaton camera and the Super Mario camera being kind of the same aesthetic 
and uh, we felt it was time that the seventh art be combined with the eighth. So in the beginning of the movie, I found myself really rooting for Ryland's character. You know, he's tossed into the cold. He has nothing. He's really bad at trapping. But um, as he gets better, I started rooting against him. <laughs> it's kind of hard to watch him kill and skin hundreds of beavers. Um, is, was that was that intentional? Ryland, did you feel bad sort of getting better as a trapper as the as the movie went on? Not at all. These beavers are diabolical and they must be put down. Uh, also, you got to keep in mind that uh, this is really uh, more of a... Uh, uh, documentary more than anything. We just documented what exactly happened out there in the woods. There are no good guys or bad guys. This is just literally what happened. So, you know, you can um, make your own call as to who the hero and villain is. But uh, at the same time, you know, that's just what uh, back in the day uh, during the fur trade, that's just what uh, had to happen in order for uh, people to survive. You know, they had to uh, they had to take out these animals so they could stay warm during the harsh winters. So. And as we all know, the beaver, uh, unfortunately, is not extinct. They are still uh, in the U.S. and still uh, wreaking havoc in our waterways. So, uh, you know, again, uh, you can take uh, whatever you want from this movie. It's really more of a very serious nature documentary more than anything else, though. That's um, that's sarcasm for the listeners who don't know. <laughs> um, how, what, what was your research process? Because you this is set in the 19th century. And, you know, the fur trade was a huge part of, you know, the Midwestern history, just as it was here in New England. Are these stories you kind of grew up learning in school? No, the research process was done at dive bars in the Milwaukee area. And I had met a guy whose brother had been a fur trapper for a little while, and I started asking him about uh, what that was like. Honestly, dozed off a little bit while he was talking, and then that concluded the research process. Got it. So, you know, you said this is a, a documentary of what happened in the woods back then. I think also a documentary could be made about what happened to you in the woods filming this movie. Uh, what what happened to you? I, I've heard about concussions. Um, electrical fires? Uh, yes, all of the above. We, uh, you know, we had some bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, yes, we had some concussions. Uh, yes, we fell into frozen lakes and streams and almost perished. Uh, yes, I got frostbite. Uh, they didn't have to lose any, uh, toes though, uh, thankfully. We had a couple of car crashes along the way too, you know, a couple of cars getting totaled. Uh, but you know what? No one died. So, um, mission accomplished. This is very much a small budget indie movie. How did you cover your costs and what are some of the things you did to kind of get around things that the big studios can do? Well, we just started with, uh, an actor that was brave enough to, to do stunts in the snow, which doesn't actually cost a lot of money, but is something that Hollywood isn't going to do as often. Uh, and then with a lot of grainy black and white aesthetics covering up my bad compositing we were able to do uh, effects shots without wasting tons of time and money on each effects shot we also raised the money for the movie in the milwaukee area from people kind of names we'd heard growing up you know the guy that owns the grocery store the guy that owns the chocolate factory um so for us watching the executive producer list on hundreds of beavers is kind of a you know, it's a cool little list of like local people that came together and uh, backed a small movie in the Milwaukee area. But uh, when we started shooting, there was like no resources. And like Jean Kayak, as we slowly got better and better, 
um, you and others started to root against us. Uh, but uh, I think that we were on the right path the whole time. Uh, but now that we're on uh, NPR, I don't know. People might start to – the backlash might begin now. I don't know. It's hard to, like, root for a little guy when he's uh, doing big radio interviews. So maybe, uh, maybe our days of being the small movie are over, and maybe we're the machine now, and that uh, you should treat us the way you treat a, a bad Spider-Man movie. Okay. Well, yeah, to go off of that as go well. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Know, just, to pay, just to pay a lot of these guys. You know, a lot of these guys involved in this movie, these were all buddies of ours, you know. So, um, you know, we, we didn't necessarily have a lot of funds to pay them. So instead, you know, after a, a really hard day of shooting the movie, uh, the sun goes down at about uh, 4 p.m. up there in northern Wisconsin. So we literally had to be done shooting. And so we could always guarantee a fridge full of beer. So that was kind of how we paid our buddies was in beer and whiskey and tobacco. So you mentioned the bad Spider-Man movies. And I don't know, there's there's a couple good ones. But the, the movie industry is moving towards consolidation. You know, big studios, major IP properties, massive budget, you know, series. How much space is there left for this small, hard scrabble, independent filmmaker from Wisconsin? We, you have to make your own space. You got to build a new company from the ground up and figure out a marketing approach from the ground up. And in our case, it was this company SRH in Milwaukee who's done a great job. They found the money and they're doing um, a really cool campaign on social and uh, an independent theatrical release. And we also got in our 1988 Light Ace Toyota and uh, drove across the Great Lakes part of the country, uh, stopping at doing roadshow screenings all over uh, that's concluded now but that was our release model and now we're in a regular theatrical run and so we really had to figure it felt like even though there's you know been a hundred years of cinema history it felt like we had to invent the whole model uh on this film yeah just to go off of that too i mean uh we'd really like to thank uh somerville theater for showing this movie for a week um and we just love uh we love theater owners in general we love all these independent theaters that have uh you know, just uh, believed in the project and have been so enthusiastic to be screening it and to be hosting us when we come into town and uh, with beavers and bunnies and do our uh, our antics during our road show. Unfortunately, we're not going to be there in person uh, at the Somerville Theater. But again, we really appreciate them uh, putting on the program for us. And I think uh, everyone in Boston will really get a kick out of it. In a word, what do you want people who go to Somerville Theater next week to get out of your movie? Have fun. Have a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, uh, again, it's, it's, it's a movie, it's just an entertainment picture for people of all ages, creeds, and nations uh, to see. It's, it's a movie that's played around the world at over 60 film festivals. We get uh, messaged all the time from people from all different states, all different countries, saying, when is Hundreds of Beavers going to come to my local theater? Because, again, it's just a, it's just a really fun movie. Uh, for everybody. So just sort of turn your brain off and have a good time. Well, it's playing at the Somerville Theater this weekend into next week. We're actually going to go out here on the opening song from Hundreds of Beavers, which, as I understand, was written by you, Ryland, the lead actor of the movie. That yeah, was director. It's actually my dad wrote it. Your dad wrote it. Well, yeah. we can still enjoy it. Thanks for giving <laughs> him credit. Ryland Bricks and Cole Twos is the star and co-writer of Hundreds of Beavers, and director Mike Cheslick directed and edited the movie. Mike, Ryland, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Walter. Much appreciated.